Sermon title 542, America the Beautiful, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on July 5th, 1970. Text is Amos 7, the 8th verse. Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people, Israel. With the singing of that great hymn still ringing in our ears, Hear now the word of God as it's recorded in the book of Amos, the seventh chapter we begin to read at the first verse. Thus the Lord God showed me, behold, he was forming locusts in the beginning of the shooting up of the latter growth. And lo, it was the latter growth after the king's mowing. When they had finished eating the grass of the land, I said, O Lord God, forgive, I beseech thee. How can Jacob stand? He is so small. The Lord repented concerning this. It shall not be, said the Lord. Thus the Lord God showed me. Behold, the Lord God was calling for a judgment by fire. And it devoured the great deep and was eating up the land. Then I said, O Lord God, cease, I beseech thee. How can Jacob stand? He is so small. The Lord repented concerning this. This also shall not be, said the Lord God. Then he showed me, behold, the Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. Then the Lord said, behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. The high places of Jacob shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste, and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Amos. Amos was that great prophet of Tekoa, a man who loved his country. But because he loved her so much, he felt that he had to say some of the things which he wished he had not or did not have to say. But nevertheless, he said them, and because he said them, many people considered him unpatriotic. He said them not because he did not love the nation Israel. He said it because he loved God the more. And heaven help the patriot who thinks less of God than he does of his nation. Amos, you see, was one of these individuals who, like we, when we profess our allegiance to the flag of our land, he knew, such as we must always remember, that no nation is God, every nation is under God, that an individual is truly a patriot 
Not when he says, my country, right or wrong, nevertheless, my country, that a man is only a patriot when he says, my country, I'll fight for it when it is right, and I'll change it when it is wrong. He would have agreed with J.B. Priestley, who said that a man's attitude toward his country should be like that of a loving wife to her husband. She will do anything for him except stop criticizing him hoping this will help to improve him. So Amos, you see, was an individual who loved his nation, but he loved God, and he knew that unless God builds the house or the nation, all the labor is in vain. So he spoke out. And in the seventh chapter of the book of Amos, he gives to the people of Israel and probably the people of every nation, God-fearing nation that is, three basic principles and truths which we must never forget. By using the imagery of the devouring locusts and the consuming fire and the plumb line from heaven, he is trying to tell us things which every nation must remember in year one of its birth or as it approaches the 200th anniversary of its beginning. He is trying to tell us in this one idea of the consuming locust, that biblical truth that is taught also in the wisdom of the Proverbs, that righteousness exalteth a nation, that a sin is a reproach to any people. And in trying to show us the burning fire, he is trying to present to all mankind that particular picture which was expressed first by the writer of Second Chronicles, where God is pictured and is heard saying, If my people, who are called by my name, if they shall humble themselves, if they shall pray, if they shall seek my face, if they shall turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven. I will heal, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their nation. And Amos, in showing this particular plumb line from heaven, he is trying to tell the people of Israel, and yes, the people of America, the people of a nation he did not know would even yet exist in hundreds of years yet to come that by God's word, by God's prophets, and may I say they're sometimes hard to recognize, and by God's speaking and God's spirit in the world today, God has given to us a guide, a plumb line, by which we can check to see whether or not the walls that we are building upon the foundations of our forefathers are straight and erect, or whether they are beginning to crumble and fall. So therefore it behooves every Christian today who dares to call himself an American to look at our nation today in light of the plumb line that God has given unto us and to see whether or not what we are building is straight and strong or whether or not our walls are beginning to crumble and devastation is about to come. Today, on this particular day after the year of the annual celebration of our 4th of July, on this particular day, the 5th day of July, which is the first day of another year when we shall celebrate 
our Declaration of Independence. I would like to use as our plumb line the words of the authoress Catherine Lee Bates, who nearly 75 years ago wrote the stirring words of the first hymn that you sang this morning, America the Beautiful. And in it, I think she gives us some biblical ideas as to what makes America beautiful. And using this as a plumb line, may we try to see whether or not we are building true to those great things that has made America great in the past. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for ember ways of gray, for purple mountains, majesties above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. What you sang this morning with the rest of us is the truth that this lady has presented that America is a beautiful only when she expresses brotherhood from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Brotherhood, that's one of the ideals which our forefathers hoped would make America beautiful, but brotherhood is tough. Since the beginning of time, since in the home of Adam and Eve, we found that Cain and Abel were individuals who found it difficult for brothers to live together. And we are no exception. I don't know if you've stopped to realize the great polls that we have within America today by people who decompartmentalize themselves into different sections and who separate themselves from other people. We have them in every community. We have them within this church. They're from the Atlantic to the Pacific, from sea to shining sea. People who, in a way, could not care less whether or not that which makes America beautiful consists of brotherhood. Just look at what we have today. We have the blacks and the whites. We have the whites and all the other minority groups. We have the rich and the poor. We have the hawks and we have the doves. We have the young and we have the old. We have the institutions and we have the individuals. And always the two sexes, men and women, people who, who feel that their particular ideas are right, and that if America is ever going to become the beautiful place that God and our forefathers would have her to hold within the realm of all the world's history, their particular idea must be followed, otherwise she will be more ugly than not. Talk to whoever you would like. This idea of brotherhood, I'm afraid, is slowly losing its hold upon the American people. And we seem to be people who are interested only in promoting our own thing and doing that which we would like to do ourselves. Well, I have news for you, ladies and gentlemen. Not original with me, but original with with God's word and with people of history. A house divided against itself is not only ugly, but as the Bible says, it cannot stand. 
And these separate rooms within a great nation will not only present Americanism as ugliness to all the world, it will be the cause for our defeat if we allow it to persist. Because, you see, the solution of this world's problems, the beauty of this nation will never come about just because of the efforts of the whites or the blacks or the yellows or the browns or the reds. Nor will it come about just because of the rich, nor the poor, the young, nor the old, men, nor women. It will come about only when Americans are willing to grab hold of the hands of other Americans, people with whom they disagree, people with whom they may not even have anything in common, and people whom they do not like, and decide that together they're going to build an America that is bigger and greater and more beautiful than it has ever been in the past. The story is told of a young girl who many years ago wandered away from her home in Kansas and got lost in the wavering wheat fields of that land. When she did not return by nightfall, her parents became alarmed and they gathered the neighbors together and they went out and searched. When an all-night's search ended in vain, the next morning they, they summoned the militia and the townspeople. All day, this great multitude of humanity searched those fields, but they found nothing. And then late in the afternoon, finally, one wise soul said, We're going about this all wrong too haphazardly. Let us go back out to the road, grab arms, take hands, and then comb the fields systematically. And this they did. And within a short time, the little girl was found dead. Her body was still warm, and she had been dead but a short time. And as her parents lovingly hovered over her, giving expression to their grief, one soul was heard to say from the edge of the crowd, Why did not we join hands yesterday? May God grant that the day will never come when we in America will be saying, Why did not we grab hands yesterday? Because then it will be too late. America will have lost her beauty. I don't know what we're waiting for. Because her beauty can be ensured only as all people in this land, regardless of age, race, creed, sex, can come together and reach forth individually a hand to grab the hand of another and say, come, let us reason together and help to build a better America. We can stand in our little corners shouting from the top of our lungs as long as we like, but that will never make America great. It is only when we individually are big enough to reach our hand out to someone else with whom we may not agree, with whom we may not have much in common, but say in the name of God and for the cause of America, brother, let's walk together. America is beautiful when this brotherhood is from shining sea to sea, 
O beautiful for pilgrims' feet, whose stern impassioned stress a thoroughfare for freedom beat across the wilderness. America, America, God, mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. What the writer is saying here, that America is beautiful only when within freedom there is self-control, and within law there is liberty. Now, freedom's a big word, and we hear it today from every corner. But one thing that I haven't heard recently, the truth that in America freedom is not free, it costs. And it's price tag, self-control. America is beautiful only when the people within the land have freedom tempered with self-control. You see, this word freedom is a good old Anglo-Saxon word. Gerardum is the way I believe it is pronounced, but what it means is this, all in the family, not a slave. It means that you live as an individual making decisions in your everyday life, thinking not of yourselves as being slaves, nor thinking of anyone else as being your slave. But realizing that together with all of the people within this land, you are in one family. And in this family, you have not only privilege, but you have responsibility. It says that our particular pilgrim forefathers stressed freedom as a thoroughfare. A thoroughfare, ladies and gentlemen, has two-way traffic. Privilege. Responsibility. And I think it's high time within this particular land of our own that we get this point across. You have freedom only when you have responsible people. Freedom is not the choice for you to go out and do your own thing and to act as a soloist. It gives you the responsibility and the privilege to work in concert with other people. It is not the absence of restraint. It is the presence of privilege. Freedom is, does not give to anyone the right to do as he chooses, but instead it gives him the responsibility to choose the right. Yet we have many people in America today, not only the young, many of them much older, people who feel that their American democracy and the constitution of this land enables them to do whatever they want to do, no matter what the will. That's not freedom. There's another word for it. Selfishness is what I believe it's called. And it's high time that we begin to realize that if this kind of self-control is not built voluntarily within the freedom of our land, there will soon be no freedom for any man. And this idea of God's concept of liberty being built into law, not until we have, not only in the written laws of the land, but in the practicing courts of our land, this idea that all people are created by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. 
until the laws of our land are written according to this godly principle of freedom and practice within our police stations and the courts of our land, then America will never be as beautiful as she might be. For her beauty stems from self-control in freedom and from God's concept of liberty in law. Oh, beautiful for heroes proved in liberating strife who more than self their country loved and mercy more than life. America, America, may God thy gold refine till all success be noble bless and every grace divine. America is beautiful only when the people of the land put God before gold. Economics is very important in the life of any nation, and we realize this more and more every day, that our nation can be one that follows either God, or it can be one that follows the standards and the worship of gold, but it cannot be both. It must be either one or the other. Now let's not romanticize this to the point that some of our history books do and make us to believe and our children to believe that our forefathers were all God-fearing, Bible-believing. Yes, I've even heard some people say they were all Presbyterians. They came over and founded the framework of this particular nation. They weren't. There was many a man that came from the far shore to this land for one reason to make money, to become wealthy. But somehow, the framers of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence, all these particular sacred documents to our land somehow were able to find in them a great spiritual concept, a spiritual concept that was built upon the idea that men are more important than material. A spiritual concept that was able to catch that vision that if men do not worship God, they will worship gold and they will go down into defeat. These people were able to put within that constitution and the framework of all the laws of our land in those days of beginning a spiritual concept which showed the sovereignty of God, the freedom of the individual, and that people are more important than things. Yet every time that this nation has got into trouble, it is because we have forgotten this spiritual truth. Every time we have gotten into great difficulty, it is because instead of loving people and using things, we've turned it around and tried to use people and love things. We've tried to worship gold rather than God. T.S. Eliot, in his Choruses from the Rock, prophesies as to what will happen to a nation that forgets its spiritual qualities and values and turns its back on God. He pictures the desolation in this poem. He sees where people have vanquished, now filled only with weeds and rubble. And he speaks in the wind and shall say, Here were decent but godless people 
the only monument, the asphalt road, and a thousand lost golf balls. Rather desolate. And this is what happens to a nation that forgets God. If we begin to worship gold in this land, and there are great indications we are doing it more and more every day, and worship it to the extent that we exclude God, may God help us, because our gold certainly shall not. And, O beautiful for patriot dream that sees beyond the years, thine alabaster cities gleam, undimmed by human tears. America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. That's what makes America great. The dream of the patriot. I know it's very hard for us to conceive, but do you realize in actuality, America as we know it today, ladies and gentlemen, just a few hundred years ago was no more than an idea in someone's head. It was no more than a dream of a few men in the Continental Congress of our United States. This is all it was. But these men had a dream. They dreamed that they could make a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the self-defense, and bring about all those things called liberty within our own land. They had a dream. And they refused to allow stubbornness, selfishness, egotism of other people to stand in the way of that dream. And though America today is far from what we would like her to be, I'm sure she's further along in that dream than those dreamers had years and years ago. May we never lose that dream because this nation of ours, remember this, was not built by the skeptics and by the critics, but by the dreamers by people who know that even when they die, their dreams, shall will, their dreams will not have been fulfilled, but still they dream of a better city, of a house of God within a nation, of people of love. So ladies and gentlemen, on this first day of another year of the Declaration of Our Independence, when many of us are quite disturbed with what is going on in our land, let us not be afraid to love our land and to love her and judge her according to God's word. And may we never lose that dream, that dream that though America is not today what perhaps we would like her to be, she can be even yet more beautiful if we lose not faith in her, or faith in the God who created her. May God bless our native land, and may he bless each one of us, as individually we try to help her to become the most beautiful being in all the world. Amen. Our Father and our God, be with us all, we pray, and be with the land that we love, 
this day and forever and more. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.